Welcome to the Lancaster Patriot Podcast. My name is Chris Hume. I'm the managing editor of the Lancaster Patriot, a newspaper serving Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and beyond. I'm joined today again by Joel Saint, pastor of Independence Reformed Bible Church and executive director of the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society. Joel, thanks for joining me again. Glad to, as usual. As usual, yes. We are going to get into a topic that we've addressed briefly before, but we want to dedicate a whole episode to it today, and that is prisons. Uh, Before we do that, a brief word from one of our advertisers here. The podcast today is brought to you by Honeybrook Hardware. And I want to talk to you about snowblower service. We've talked about this before. I still have yet to get a snowblower. But there's nothing worse than getting caught in the first snowfall of the year and realizing your snowblower doesn't work. Then you have to shovel it all by hand, which is uh, bad for the back. So get your snowblower service now at Honeybrook Hardware. They're family-owned, they're dedicated to their customers and their community. You'll notice the difference right away when you visit Honeybrook Hardware. So check them out in Honeybrook, 5004 Horseshoe Pike. Again, that's Honeybrook Hardware. They'll take care of all of your winter snowblowing needs. So check out Honeybrook Hardware. Well, today, Joel, we want to talk about prisons. And the reason we're talking about this specifically today is because last week we talked about eminent domain in Lancaster County and the new prison project that Lancaster County is undertaking. So we spoke about this briefly, the subject of prisons, and I want to get into it more today. You know, people might think we're crazy saying that prisons aren't the answer to our crime or our social injustice problem. So we want to address that topic today. What, what is the problem with prisons? Aren't they just a necessary evil? Joel, I mean, what's the big deal? Why would we uh, make an issue about prisons? Don't we need prisons? Yeah, of course we need prisons to uh, cut down on crime, right? And uh, obviously, it's, it's obvious the more prisons we build, the less crime we have. Um, except that that's not obvious and except that that's actually not happening. Uh, again, as you mentioned, in Lancaster County, we're building more prisons. And it appears as if we've, I, you know, I'm not seeing a dip in crime in Lancaster County. In fact, um, I was just reading here recently, um, crime is way on the upswing. And it's not because we don't have prisons. We've got prisons everywhere. We have prisons everywhere. Uh, I read this uh, just recently, a day or two ago, that um, in New Orleans, New Orleans has... Nolens. 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 Yeah, obviously I'm not from... I don't from, know how to say it either. I'm not from Nolens. <laughs> I just know if we say New Orleans, we're saying it's, it wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I even say Wisconsin instead of Wisconsin. But anyway... Uh, that they have for 2022, they have already exceeded the amount of murders that totaled for 2020 and 2021. Okay. In other words, add 2021 and 20 and 2020 together. 2022, we're only in October, has now already exceeded the total from two previous years. Chris, I'm pretty sure it's not because they have a lack of prisons. I'm pretty sure. It's just that maybe in, in their prisons, they're putting in their, uh, you know, putting in their, I don't know, dope smokers and whatever, uh, and, and nonviolent offenders, whatever. The point is, though, we need us. Well, here's the question I want to ask. What relationship do, do, does more prisons have with less crime? I can't see any. And going beyond that and even asking other questions, where do we get this idea of prisons where did that idea come from? Well, we need to get them off the street. Okay, so we get them off the street, as we say. We all feel safer. All right, I want to know what happens after we clothe them, you know, support them and so forth forever, however many years. What happens when they're back again on the street? 
Uh, obviously, they're not going to commit any crimes, right? Well, they've, been, crimes. they've been corrected, yes. They, they, it's a yeah, correctional facility. It's a correctional facility. Yes, they've been corrected now. And uh, prison was such a bad experience for them that they're never going to do anything that could send them back to prison again, right? But the recidivism rates, meaning the rates of people that go back to prison, are astronomically high. Yeah, let me just let me interject here briefly. This is just one study from 2005 on about 400,000 state prisoners uh, and it said of the 400,000 state prisoners released in 2005 had 1.9 million arrests during the nine-year period of the study. So 400,000 prisoners released in 2005, almost 2 million arrests from those 400,000 prisoners. An average of five arrests per released prisoner. Uh, 60% of those arrests occurred uh, during years four through eight. Uh, another study estimates 68% of released prisoners were arrested within three years, 79% within six years, and 83 within nine years. So, yeah, the correctional aspect is not going too well. Not at all. And this is back, what, 2005? That, that's just one study. We what, can find when many, I I'm sure. might have felt a lot more safe than I do now. Uh, so it's, it's, it's got to be far worse. So from a pragmatic standpoint, I don't know, according to that, just according to that study, you have to say that if the idea of prison is to correct behavior, it's definitely not working. But, of course, someone's going to say, okay, uh, what, are you, uh, what are you guys going to substitute it with? Well, let's get to that in a few minutes. But first, let's talk about this idea of what, what the, prison, the prison officials and the government views their role is. But even before that, Joel, you mentioned something about, you know, we have all these prisons, and Lancaster County... The current prison is, is old, and so they want to build a new one, a better one, right, because this is such an important thing. But Are, are people, like, escaping from the prison? I mean, I'm just kind of curious. Not, not that I'm aware is of. Is it George. crashing down on people's heads here? Uh, not that I'm aware of, but, but we need a, a, a better one. We need, uh, you know, a more efficient one, perhaps. I'm sorry to keep interrupting. I'm just thinking that idea is like Orwellian. We need a better prison. <laughs> Well, I'm trying to wrap my arms around that. A better prison, yeah. Well, some of these I've been I've done some prison ministry, uh, very minimal, but the the prison facility I went into was very nice. You've talked about how the you know the government schools get all the bricks and everybody else gets gets the sticks and stuff. Well, this prison facility was was very very nice, very well constructed. Even the old one that Lancaster County has is I mean it looks like a medieval castle. It's certainly not made with with drywall and, and plywood, but. Yeah, the prison facility I went into was was I mean it was it was nice. It was the facilities were clean. Uh, obviously, uh, you wouldn't want to be there long term, but it was a nice facility. But Joel, you mentioned something that, that made me think about this. We have all these prisons, right? You mentioned down in New Orleans and and just across the nation. Did you know, Joel? You may have known this, but did you know that the nation with the most prisoners, so basically the largest slave state in the world, because uh, what? Prisons are is really it's it's involuntary servitude. I mean, they should be doing some sort of labor in there. Unfortunately, it's it's generally maybe not, but still the largest slave state where people are kept against their will, right? The largest slave state in the world is the United States of America. We have the largest population of people kept against their will. Uh, in uh, as of July 2021, the U.S. had the highest number of incarcerated individuals worldwide with almost 2.1 million people in prison. So number one in the nation, ahead of China, Brazil, India, uh, Russia, is the United States of America. All those uh, countries that we think of sort of quasi-third world 
gangs of criminals running around, we've got the most incarcerated people, of, even of them. And it's not only we have the most, because we do have more population than some of those other countries, although not China, obviously, but we're also number one uh, for countries with the largest number of prisoners per 100,000 of the national population. So not only do we have the most, we also have the highest percentage. And I think like the second is El, El Salvador. So we're number one for prisoners and percentage of our population in prison. And again, just one more thing on that, that again, around 2.1 million prisoners as of uh, 2015, uh, this, this study is, uh, that means the U.S. held 21% of the world's prisoners in 2015. Wait a minute, what's that number again? This study says the world prison population list said that the U.S. held 21% of the world's prisoners. Of the world's prisoners. Even though the U.S. represents only about 4.4% of the world's population in 2015. So disproportionately, the United States of America has way more people in prison than anyone else. So we have created this prison state, this slave state, really, where these people are are in prison, obviously against their will, or maybe some of them, I've heard they want to go back. Yeah. But we have, we have the largest slave state in the world, and how did we get here, and what's, what's the better alternative? That's what we want to talk about today. So let's start with, let's, let's go back to local now, okay? We have this massive problem in America. This, we have the, the, the prison state, basically, where we have the most incarcerated individuals of any nation, and it doesn't seem to be solving the problem. But here's how our government views prisons. This is from... The Lancaster County Prison Warden Cheryl Stayberger, I might have said her name wrong, I apologize. She said, and she's talking here about the, the change that she has seen uh, in 27 years uh, within the prison system and the mindset of what their job is. She said, when I started at the facility 27 years ago, it was lock them up and throw away the key. Now it's what can we do to create a better individual to put out into our community? So she's saying, okay, the change in the past was lock them up, throw away the key. Our job is to keep these people off the streets. Now it's, okay, our job is to create a better individual. And then the mission of Lancaster County Prison is to provide for the humane and secure care, custody, and control of those individuals who are charged with criminal offenses while also providing for the protection and safety of the community through the detention of such individuals. So, Joel, I want you to speak to what this prison warden here in Lancaster County is saying what her job is, what the job of the prison is to create better individuals. And then I want us to ask the question, I mean, who is responsible for the actions of the people? Is it the state or is it the individual? Should the, should the prison be trying to create a better individual to put out in the community? And is, this, is the prison even equipped to do that? Yeah, it's, no wonder you want better prisons, right? Because apparently we're, we're going into the, um, the rehab business here of... Um, making better individuals. I mean, this sounds to me like the prison is now, is is no longer an agent of uh, punishment, if you will. It's probably a bad word. It now sounds like it's an agent of personal salvation. Um, I, I, I don't want to make light of this, but perhaps, you know, Chris, I mean, if you're not the man you want to be, maybe you can go to prison. They will help you uh, become a better person. Isn't that what we just heard? Better individual. A be- better individual. Yep. So, I mean, I hadn't really thought of um, you going to, to prison uh, before this moment, but hey, you know, I mean, do you? I don't know. Do you have do you have trouble uh, 
I don't know. Um, I, I do need to become a better individual. Y- y- yes, I, I, I think we all do. Perhaps prison is the answer, according to this. Uh, you, you know, I mean, most people are still still going to have the old idea of lock away, throw away a key, mm-hmm. key, keep us safe. And, of course, she does reference that. But it sounds like the new thing is that prison is failing if if it lacks the ability for personal salvation. And I, I know that's kind of a strong word. But it's a word of, and we're not talking about eternal salvation here, mm-hmm. but how's a person going to be saved from his bad, crooked ways? Well, we're going to send him off to prison and make him better. So it sounds like a lot of nice money here for psychologists, psychiatrists, the entire mental health industry, which seems to be more and more that there is no such thing as a criminal. It's a person who has a problem with mental health, and they're going to get a whole lot better through this. Wow. I... I, I, I to, to me, though, Chris, this is what will happen when you demean God and his institutions of family and church. I can't think of a better institution for improving the character of people than the family. That You're born into this world. All you can think of is yourself. It's just you. This baby, newborn baby, is not thinking of his neighbor. You know, I'm thinking of Christ, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. A newborn baby, he's not thinking about God, he's not thinking about his neighbor. How is he going to think about God and neighbor if not taught from very, very young? So we've demeaned the family, we've, we've uh, said the church is irrelevant. Now the state is stepping in, this is amazing to me. Now the state is stepping in and saying, well, since, this is kind of where they begin, right? Since the church and the family have failed, no thanks to their policies, quite frankly, in government schools. Right. Since they failed, that's that's their initial conclusion. Mm-hmm. How are we going to improve people? Oh, I know. Let's send them to prison. <laughs> in a way, Chris, I'm not even surprised. With, with all the other insanity going on, this looks just like another um, another rung in the insanity ladder that we on which we uh, can consistently descend. Apparently. Right, and you've mentioned the fact that. The state has tried to solve the problem with the government education, and I also want to bring up social welfare because we, we've created a mess. And I wanted to read from, from the book of Jeremiah where the prophet Jeremiah uh, says this. He says, uh, and, th- and this is you know, the word of the Lord coming to Jeremiah. He says, Has a nation changed its gods even though they are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit, Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So the charge is you've abandoned God and his law, and then you've tried to put something else in its place. And that's what we have done as a nation. We have said, and I want us to talk about that, and we we often talk about it, but we We've abandoned God's plan for the nations. We've abandoned his word, and then we have to deal with the consequences. And instead of repenting and going back to God's word, we try to, we try to fix the consequences with another man-made solution. And Jeremiah goes on here, and he says, Your evil, this is the Lord speaking through Jeremiah, Your evil will chastise you, and your apostasy will reprove you. Know and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God. The fear of me is not in you, declares the Lord God of hosts. So basically, your own evil and your own apostasy is going to reprove you, and your own evil will chastise you. And when we look at the social welfare that the social welfare state 
that our nation has become. And you could even go back to the Civil War with Abraham Lincoln, then also with um, Lyndon B. Johnson really took off, and it just continues to grow. But if we have a society that wants to destroy the family and encourage uh, the family disintegration, we are going to have an increase in, in criminals. And the number one thing, or one of the, number, one of the most important things to prevent criminals is, is having a father in the home. All right, these are, there's a bunch of studies out there. I mean, this is just one approximation. 85% of all youth sitting in a prison today grew up in a fatherless home. Uh, again, hard to get exact numbers here, but about 25 million today are living in fatherless homes, much more than it used to be. Right, it used to be, if you look back at 19, uh, in 1965, 24% of black infants and 3% of white infants were born to single mothers. Okay, by 1990, it's 64% for black infants, and 18% for white infants. So with the rise of social welfare came the decline of the family. And it's not accidental because social welfare encourages the single family. Right? There's much we could get into with this. We don't have time today, but single mothers are really encouraged by the welfare state to not get married because if they get married, they lose all those benefits that they've been, they've been brainwashed to say you need to accept these benefits. So we, we, what a mess we've created uh, by abandoning God's word. And I think this prison system and our crime problem is our own evil chastising us, that we have abandoned God's word. We've abandoned the, the unit of society that could deal with the problem, that could create a better individual by God's grace, which is the family first and then the church. We've abandoned that. We've hewed out these cisterns of the state saying, we're going to create the better individual. We got a better solution than the family and its welfare. And now we're dealing with the problem. You know, what we have here, boy, there's so much that you said. Let me talk about the fatherless homes here for just a moment. 85% of criminals grow up in fatherless homes. Now, if we were, I mean, think about it. If we were at all serious about the crime problem, don't you think we'd be talking about that first? First of all, wait a minute. How can we put an end to this fatherless homes problem? But, oh, no, we've already written that off and, have, and in fact, as you point out, have encouraged it. Right. You, you know, when we're, we, we're paying mothers to have fatherless homes here, we're, right. we're, we're doing that. And that is definitely by design because if it's, if it's op, this obvious, then everybody would be able to figure it out. But, but they are figuring it out. Right. You have to have chaos within a society before you can change that society. And what a wonderful way to introduce chaos. It's, it's working out well. I mean, you know, we're saying that prisons don't work, but of course, on the other hand, you say they're working out really well. They're training new criminals. We can say that um, welfare isn't working. Our social welfare system isn't working. Our state-sponsored welfare system isn't working. Actually, it is working. It's working wonderful. Wonderful. creating slaves to the state. Yes. And, and, and in our big cities where people are just going to go continue to vote themselves money, why not? We're a democracy, after all. Right. And let, let me just read this real quick. Sorry to cut you off there. That's right. This is a quote from Robert Rector, and I think in his article he argues in the end we need to change the way welfare is structured. We would argue biblically we need to get rid of government welfare. Uh, there is yeah, a place it's not that we're against. We're very much for welfare. Right. But. N- not government welfare. But exactly. he has an interesting quote here. Uh, he says that since the beginning of the war on poverty, Right, we can talk about that, the war on drugs. But he says, since the beginning of the war on poverty, less educated mothers have increasingly become married to the welfare state and to the U.S. taxpayer rather than to the fathers of their children. I thought that was an amazing quote. Yeah, that is, they, yeah. they have, the state has said, we will be 
your sugar yep. daddy. We'll, yes. we'll, we'll be the father of your children. We'll take care of them. Don't get married. Uh, the better solution is to marry us, you know, figuratively speaking. And that's powerful. I mean, that is what we have, that we have, you know, fathers encouraged not to, to stay in the home, not to raise their children. I mean, one, they're encouraged to tell their, their, the mother of their children to get an abortion. But if the baby's born, then they're not encouraged to, to be in the home. And mothers aren't encouraged to marry the fathers of their children. They're encouraged to marry the state, as it were. So I'm sorry, I just wanted to read that quote and say that it is successful in what they're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's working beautifully. As, as believers in Christ and in his word, we, we have failed to stand up against the idea of the state as welfare agent. I mean, think about this. Uh, um, welfare was invented by the church and the family. Uh, there were, historically speaking, I think of um, Dimna Corinne, for example, who lived centuries ago, created in Europe the first home for, um, for, for the mental, what we would call the mentally disabled. I mean, it was Christians that developed things like orphanages, like hospitals. So what happened was when the states were burning the villages, raping the women and selling the children into slavery, it was Christians that even came up with the idea of welfare for their neighbor. What's happened is the state has come along and said, well, we'll, we'll do it better. And, and, you know, a sad thing I've heard, Chris, is some Christians say, well, well, you know, uh, the state had to get involved, you know, because the church wasn't doing such a good job. Well, how, how's it looking now? I, I, I can tell you one thing. The church could at least do this bad of a job for a lot less money and at least have it be volunteer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about money. I mean, there's obviously a lot of money that goes into correctional, quote unquote, facilities. I mean, what I found here, and if this is accurate, this is from the just Lancaster County uh, County budget expense breakdown of all funds. And it has corrections, twenty nine point nine million dollars, ten point six percent of the of all funds. Um, it's estimated that this new prison, I don't know exactly what the total figure will be, but it could be around $100 million. I mean, obviously, sounds not, like a bargain. it's not cheap to, to build yeah. uh, a big prison facility. Um, so we're talking about millions and millions of dollars just on the county level, let alone the state and the national level. There's a, a lot of money that is poured into this. And like you said, it would be a lot cheaper if uh, the government didn't deal with it. And I do want to get to very soon here, what is the solution? Because people might say, okay, again, and that, that's what I hear a lot from people. Well, you, you guys are extreme. You're arguing that the government shouldn't be involved in education, that the government shouldn't uh, be involved doing prisons. Like, what is the alternative? We need prisons. That, that If we don't have prisons, then there's going to be chaos. So I want to get to that. But one more thing I want to mention here, talking about the social welfare, is that, of course, it's, it's I think, fairly well known that there's a higher percentage proportion of blacks in prison than whites, right? And part of that, I think two real things go back to that. One is, I mean, the main thing is that fatherless homes has been encouraged uh, among blacks and African-Americans. The welfare state has been targeted directly to, to those people, and it's been targeted to say the state will take care of you and not encourage uh, the fathers to stay in the home. It has nothing to do with with a quote-unquote different races being more prone to it has nothing to do with that. We're all one race created in the image of God. But when the government comes in and starts to specifically try to help a certain group of people, I mean, we talked about the Native Americans briefly on this yes, podcast before. When the government came in and tried to help the Native Americans, they created a, a horrible situation for them, right? And it's the same thing when the government came in and said, well, we're going we're gonna, to quote-unquote help 
you know, these poor black people in the inner cities, and we're going to have these programs that are going to help them. It actually makes things much worse. So we have the highest, you know, higher proportion of blacks in prison, higher proportion of blacks born without a father in the home. I mean, that those are the problems, and the government can't solve that. So I just wanted to mention that, and as we talk about this, you know, if we want to talk about social justice, which I think you and I would both agree that uh, we, are, we are advocates of social justice according to God's law, right? What is just? Uh, what is the standard? And what will also lead to blessing for people? Because you mentioned we're not against welfare. We're certainly not against justice. What does what God's word say? What is the right way to do things? And always that way will lead to blessings for people. So as we start to transition here to say, what's a better way than doing this, this prison system? We'll t- we got to talk about, we probably have to talk about the war on drugs, but I want people to see that Christ's plan is better. And it's not just better on paper. It actually works. Right. So right. so let's yeah, yeah, let's... yeah, we're not against the prison system because it doesn't work. It doesn't. Right. But that's not really the reason why we're against it. We're, we're against it because God has not prescribed this in his law word, who has told us how to live. Peter tells us he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Life and godliness. Unfortunately, today, I think most of our churches, Chris, it's like, well, God has given us everything for godliness, but life... Let's go to the pagans. They can figure that out. But no, he's given us everything for life and godliness, Peter tells us. Uh, I want, so to, to answer your question, I want to back up just a little bit, and I want to talk, talk about the idea of justice at all and what's being taught in our government schools and our state universities. And I want to quote uh, from Richard Dawkins here. Okay. Um, <laughs> because, evolutionist. Yeah, yeah, evolution. He's my, I, I will admit he's my favorite live atheist. Okay. Um, uh, Nietzsche is my favorite dead atheist. Okay. Uh, Dawkins is my favorite live atheist because of comments like this, where he's trying to be consistent. He can't, but he's trying to be consistent. So here we are talking about justice. We're talking about doing good, all this kind of stuff. And um, Richard Dawkins is going to deliver us from our evolutionary atheistic ignorance here. Uh, you know, for, from Richard Dawkins now. In a universe of electrons and selfish genes, blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky, and you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice. There you go. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, and therefore no evil, I would add, nothing but pitiless indifference. And what, you know, what are we to do with a comment like this? This is being taught in our government schools right. and in our state universities. There is no meaning. There is certainly no justice. And yet here we are spending all this money on what we call justice. Right. So at the very bottom, in a godless universe, Richard Dawkins is somewhat consistent. It doesn't matter how many, for him, it doesn't matter how many prisons we build or don't build, how many fines we issue or don't issue. Right. None of it matters. Blind, pitiless indifference is all we have left. So, you know, Dawkins is, he, he can't be completely consistent here because he writes books and he lectures and expects, expects us to listen to him. Right. Shouldn't, we, shouldn't we meet his lectures and books with the same blind, pitiless indifference with which he says is already in the universe. Right. Thanks, Richard. I yeah, appreciate your statistics, appreciate your reasoning, all that stuff. Here's what I got for you, Richard. Blind, pitiless indifference. But I want to go back to that justice thing. 
nor any justice. And in fact, um, just this morning, I was at the Lancaster County Commissioner's meeting, and I read this, um, read that quote to them. And I finished off my talk to them, which I won't go through now, but I finished it off with the, with the Ten Commandments. Where are we going to get meaning at all? Where are we going to get justice, Chris, if we don't start with the God who created the whole world and knows what's going on in it? And thank you, Richard Dawkins, for giving us the proper conclusion of a world without God. Did, did you get no any, justice. Did you get any comment? I did not get any comment I, this morning. I, I, I find that interesting. I, I'm waiting for you to get... I usually watch, if I'm not there, I try to... When I can, I haven't been there as often as you, certainly, but I try to watch them. And it was interesting when you talked about socialism, you got some comment, right? There was, I did. There was got some a lot of ba- back and forth between oh, yeah. the three commissioners about socialism. But when you... Because that's kind of a, a political talking point. It's very easy for people to to take sides on that and say, well, here's where I stand. But when you come with the word of God and the, and the foundation for justice, for knowledge, for righteousness, I'm waiting for them to comment and either agree or disagree and yeah. give their foundation. Yeah. And it hasn't happened yeah. yet. Yeah. Get lost, Pastor. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're not going to talk about that today. So I, so what I, you know, I, I didn't get any comment back this morning, although I would obviously, I would love to have some interaction, some back and forth with the uh, commissioners on this uh, myself. But so, so going back, we need to ask the question, why are you, why are you even concerned about justice mm-hmm. when in your state universities you're being taught that no such thing actually exists? Right. It's only a, a made-up construct. So let's assume, let me assume for a second that people are interested in justice. Well, first of all, we have to go to the God who has given us a standard for right and wrong. This, this morning, again, for example, they were talking about mental health, and we need a whole, in the commissioner's meeting, Chris, mm-hmm. and a bunch more money going into mental health, whatever it was. I, th- I don't think it was facilities. I think it was some contract, right? Okay. Without a standard, I, I, I want to know, what is mental health? Right. Maybe the person in the asylum is is the one that's healthy, and and we are just on the outside. Um, we we can't say what mental health is. Aren't we just exercising our power and our domination over other people? Again, that's all we're exercising. If there is, I can't emphasize it enough. If there is no God who's given us His Word to tell us how to live, then that's really all we are exercising over right. someone else in a mental institution. There's more of us than you into the institution with you. We feel threatened by you. But we can't say right or wrong here. Mm-hmm. All we can say is we feel threatened. That's all. You might be right. I might be wrong. But I feel threatened. So into jail, into the institution with you, or whatever. What I'm trying to say is, there is, without God and his word, you do not even have a, a foundation to even discuss justice. And Richard Dawkins has actually put his finger right on it. Right. Right. Yeah. With with if there's no standard for what is just and what is unjust, then we can't even have this conversation. And furthermore, as you've mentioned many times, God's word does speak to these issues. Right. And so I want to transition now to God's, God, what God's word says about this, because Christ has a plan for the nations. Right. We talk about Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Right. I mean, every church that at least knows the Bible in any con knows the Great Commission. Right. Where. The, Jesus gives his charge to his apostles to go into all the world, make disciples of the nations, mm-hmm. right? Uh, baptizing them. And, th- and he says he says something there. Of course, he says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, mm-hmm. right? This is the Great Commission, to disciple the nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So Christ's plan is for the nations to be discipled and to learn his word, to learn his law word. So the Bible speaks to the issue of justice. It speaks to the issue of criminal justice. It speaks to the issue of of murder and theft and rape and kidnapping and, and all these issues. So let's get into that, Joel, because sure. we have a we have a problem in America. We have a prison problem. Most prisoners of any nation, by uh, population and by proportion, we have a drug problem. It's true. People are using uh, drugs to damage their their body, and then they will often commit crimes while under the influence or not under the influence. That uh, we have we have a drug problem. We have a crime problem. We have a prison problem. To add to that. So, you know, what, what is the solution here? And as we get into it, maybe we can touch on the drug thing. But what, what, is, what is Christ's plan? I know you, we've mentioned it briefly, but I want to do it again for the sake of this episode. Biblically, you've made clear that only time in Scripture you see prisons are under pagan kings or um, ungodly kings, apostate kings. Um, it's not, there's not, in, in the law of God, there's not given a, a concession for you to have a prison and to lock offenders up in a prison Biblically, you know, what, what, what is the solution here? Because people are going to say, okay, well, what's the alternative to the prison system, Joel? If, we're gonna, if we get rid of this prison system or if we even want to start thinking towards that direction, what's the alternative? Sure. To let all these yeah. dangerous criminals out on the street? Yeah, yeah. What's, what's the solution here? Yeah, so let's, let's back up a little bit. And let's, I, want to talk about, I want to talk about the family here for, for a minute. Okay. Because um, in the family, we see the elements of the church and the state. Here's what I mean by that. In the family, in a well-working family, or even the families that maybe aren't working so well, you have certain rules that you have to abide by. One of them might be, uh, you're not going to play in the street today. You're not going to play softball in the street. You're not going to chase your bouncy ball out in the street. You're not going to play out there. That's a rule. Here's another rule. When there's a, um, uh, 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 let's let's say the uh, stove is red hot, right? You know, I, I, I get it that you're one and a half, and you'd like to put your hand on it. you like to touch that. You're not going to do that. Uh, here's another one. You're not going to bite your younger brother. You're not going to do that. Now, um, at that point, the child, the one and a half year old, does not need a well-reasoned justification at this point. What that child needs at that point is punishment. That's what the child understands. The child is not going to understand this well, you know, um, if you put your hand on the burner, it's going it's to hurt you. We're going to have to take you to the doctor. That's not what's needed. Don't do that. There's plenty of time later for you for, for them to understand. So that is a, shall we say, the judicial or the state aspect of the family. And then also the church aspect of it. When, as, as a father and mother, primarily fathers should be, will teach a child, hey, you know what? This is why we do these things. You know why we do this? Because we, we have a Bible, and the, the, that Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That is where it starts. So the reason why I'm doing it is not because I want to exercise power over you or I get a kick out of like, you know, sending you out to get the newspaper because I don't feel like it or whatever, the Lancaster um, Lancaster newspapers, not the Lancaster Patriot in a well-running house. <laughs> no, the Lancaster Patriot. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But, but, anyway, but that, that being, in other words, it's not, it's, it's not about that. So there's judicial aspects in the family, and there's also church, there's ecclesiastical aspects in the family. Don't do this because I said so, judicial. Later on, 
when we can teach our children, don't do this because the Bible says don't do this. Mm-hmm. So you're teaching both in the family. So we can see how important it is in the, in the family growing up. Now, do we put our ch- children in jail um, when, when they do something wrong? Well, uh, time out, I notice, is becoming, or times out is becoming a uh, more, um, is, is becoming a bigger deal mm-hmm. in families. So I want to talk about that. I remember seeing a uh, timeout. You know, that's the, uh, that's the punishment. Okay, okay, all right. I'm going to give you a timeout. In this one case I saw, it was a, um, I used to hang wallpaper. And if you don't hang the wallpaper right, correctly in the corner, there's a gap that occurs in the corner. In other when you hang wallpaper, you've got to cut it at the mm-hmm. corner so that, that gap doesn't, doesn't occur. You have the corner just like this, Chris, and the, 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 uh, like this. Here's the corner, and then the wallpaper kind of goes across like this, and there's a gap right behind the corner. Well, this particular child uh, had to face the corner for his timeout. By the time he was done, there was a Christmas tree effect. In the, he had pulled off all the, the wallpaper that he could possibly reach during his timeout. So my question would be, Chris, what's your next plan, right? Mm-hmm. That timeout didn't work well. And now he's done something to e- even require a greater timeout. What are you going to do? Well, the Bible uh, prescribes punishment for these kinds of things. I remember seeing, um, and I'll, I'll get to, the, the, the uh, I'll transition to the, the society here in a moment. Hey, take your time. Uh, I, I, I remember seeing a, a card that my daughter got one time, and it, it, was, it was a joke. And it was a kid who had apparently just been punished for something. And he was thinking the little bubble over his head, his thoughts. And his thoughts were, it was so worth it. In other words, right. how do we know, how do we know that correction has actually taken place? We need to ask that in the family. Punishment, well, maybe, maybe a punishment uh, occurred, like, like I've seen this one, right? A, a, a child bites another child, which is really painful, right? And then the punishment is, well, say you're sorry. Well, uh, that's no, that's no, for all the pain that you inflicted, you are not getting punished accordingly. Now, I want to jump ahead to God's ways, because God is about retribution, a, a bad word in today's society, payback. But what is better than paying back? Chris, in, in, in my limited understanding of criminals, most criminals don't start out killing somebody. Most murderers don't start out that way. You know how they start out? They start out stealing. Mm -hmm. And God's way is so great because God's way is pay it back. You get caught stealing. This is not a crime against society. This is a crime against that guy whose property you have taken. And again, we're talking Ten Commandments here. Do not covet any your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's servant, your neighbor's uh, ox, his, his donkey, whatever or anything that is your neighbor's. So God's ways start out with this idea of a, you know, paying your debt to society. That's a pagan idea, Chris. It's a socialistic idea. God's way is way different from that. From the very beginning, you pay back what you stole, and for the inconvenience of, of what you've caused, in many cases, it's paying back double. Now, there's some other cases where if you borrowed something, and broken or something like that, you're not paying back double. Mm-hmm. You're paying back another 20%. Chris, who can possibly argue with the justice of God's ways here? But again, as you've pointed out, 
we have a better idea, we have a better plan, and what have we gotten? We've gotten more injustice, more criminals, and sadly, more criminals and more money taken out of the uh, out of the pockets of the good people. Right. Because it's the people that are working that are paying for all this stuff. Right. Yeah, the millions and millions of dollars going into the prison facilities throughout the nation are being paid for not by the criminal. I think, I think uh, actually, I don't know if they still do it in Lancaster County, but I think there was like a, a $10 charge or something per day for to the criminal. Oh. So, okay, that's nice, but that's not covering the millions and millions of yeah, dollars. Right. We're covering that. Can't right? stay in a hotel for $10 a day. So Three ex- square meals. Exodus yeah. 22, 1. Yes. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. Uh, it goes on. Uh, and it, it says, if a st- the stolen beast is found alive in his possession, whether it's an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall pay double. So, again, this is God's plan, uh, re- re- uh, restitution, right? Mm-hmm. If you have stolen, you are forced to pay it back, mm-hmm. and you have to work mm-hmm. to pay it back. Now, we could get into then, okay, what if yes. people don't work and don't pay it back? Yes. Well, initially, the biblical principle would be what? If you don't work, you don't eat, mm-hmm. right? If you don't work... You don't live, basically. Mm-hmm. And we're teaching a generation to to not work. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when they steal the labor, you know, the, the, the fruits of someone else's labor, they don't have to work to restore that. They, uh, If they do it enough times or steal something big enough, they're going to go to prison. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we're, we're not we're not solving the problem. Yeah. We're not deal, we're not. We're not one. I mean, one, we're not even correcting it. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about corrections. We're not correcting it. I mean, God's plan has in there at least this is the way that you would teach people, okay, you have stolen. You need to work now to not pay back the state, but to pay back the victim, right, plus extra, right? And then, um, you know, if, you're not, if you don't do that, we can talk about that in a minute. But that, that's God's plan, restitution. Yep. It's a better plan. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it honors the idea of personal ownership. And what, our system does not honor that. Right. You know, I, I steal from my neighbor or I've stolen from the state. Chris, this is this is really dangerous. We have got as pastors, we have got to preach this. We have we have got to communicate to our congregations that God is very big on private property. He he establishes it in His Word throughout. Mentions it on multiple occasions in the Ten Commandments. Again, you only have ten. If you're going to have ten commandments, what are you going to say? And God is really in those in just those ten commandments. Right. At least three of them. He addresses private property. And so here's the thing. You know, we, we want to eliminate murders. Well, you know how we could eliminate murders from the from the get-go? That is properly punish theft, which we, we do not do. And, and and to your point, so let's talk, well, I, I, you'll probably get to it, but right. I, I may, maybe jumping ahead here a little bit, Chris. Right. But, but, okay, what do we do when a person won't work? Well, then we used to have three-time loser laws. That uh, if a person did, did not do what they were supposed to do by paying back, they were eventually executed. Now, I'm going to talk about, uh, oh, you're, you're going to execute a, a, a thief. Actually, what we're executing here is a ultimate murderer here. Because if they get away with theft, then they're going to try their hand at getting away with murder. I mean, this is, this is happening throughout. You watch, Chris, you watch these shows on YouTube and other places, uh, City Confidential and, and, and so forth, and, and um, they're always about murder. And, they, you know, I mean, I, I didn't know there were so many murders. They're everywhere. And when they talk about the murderer so often, Chris, they talk about the rap sheet 
and there's almost always theft in there. And God's way of dealing with theft is, is, is just so just. It's so wonderful. One of the, thing, one of the things would be good, some people are going to say, well, people are going to, what if a person's really hungry, you know, and he steals because he's hungry? God's way is still wonderful because if he pays it off to the person that he stole from and he's honest about it, he could become, talk, talk about uh, re- restoring people. Right. An honest person then could be hired by that guy if that's right. why he was stealing. Right. And, and he's an honest worker and a good laborer. Boy, you talk, you talk about um, restoring someone, but we sent someone off to jail and we made him a better criminal most of the time. Right. What about making him a better, a, a better neighbor? God's way can make actually better neighbors out of thieves. Right, and, and that goes back to, I think, ultimately, if you look at biblical justice, it's, it's about restoration. It's about the restoration of the godly society. If that means that an incorrigible offender, which we can talk about, needs to be executed, then unfortunately that has to happen. But that is to restore order in society. And the same thing with, with the thief. If the thief steals, and this is not just Old Testament, it's New Testament, it's all God's word, Ephesians 4, let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor with his hands. Right? If the thief steals... And if he's stealing because he's poor and he steals that loaf of bread, right, and Proverbs actually mentions that, but if he, if he steals that loaf of bread, I mean, first of all, the victim has the option to show mercy. Mm-hmm. Right? In, a, in, a, in a biblical society, the state is not the one determining. Uh, the vic- victim is the one saying, you know what? I forgive you what mm-hmm. you've done here. And, mm-hmm. and, and th- that could be powerful too. Mm-hmm. But the victim certainly has the right to say, no, you, you need to make restitution to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, I mean, that is then... Uh, like you said, restoring society, restoring what was taken from the victim, and actually giving the criminal an opportunity to reform. Yes. Right? Our society does not do that. You take yeah. the criminal and you put him in prison, there's no opportunity to make restitution. And to your point, theft is one of those, the gateway it crimes. Is, no doubt. And biblically, the punishment is not to put that person in prison. It's not to chop off their hand. It's not to execute them. It's to to help them see where this leads to, and you need to work because that's the problem here. So much of this, I mean, it goes back to, what do they say, uh, uh, idleness is the devil's playground, that, that sure. saying? Like, so much of this goes back to when you abandon God's order for the family and, and to be hardworking, what do you put in its place? Crime and immorality. So, yeah, I just wanted to mention that, that restoration is a beautiful thing in God's law, that we don't have a place for that, generally speaking, in our society. No, no, we don't, because because the state, by definition, you know, Romans thirteen, the state is there to punish. Mm-hmm. Not, it's not in the restoration business in the sense of what we heard from earlier from this um, uh, Lancaster County prison official. Right. We're gonna we're gonna make people better. Right. So all the state is doing is enforcing this person to go and work to pay back what he stole from this from this uh, biz- business owner or his neighbor or whatever. But I, I honestly, I can't think of a better method of restoration than making a thief pay back. Mm-hmm. What, what, what could possibly be better than that? And as mentioned, I mean, right now, Pennsylvania, throughout the United States of America, we, we have a real crisis in, um, in, in employment right now. Right. You know, jobs, are, jobs are definitely going begging. Uh, our prisons aren't going begging, though. Um, we seem to have enough going on there in our prison. We seem to have enough population, as what's being seen in Lancaster County here, seem to have enough uh, uh, of those folks right there. Um, e- even the whole idea of the poor, um, just just going down that track for just a second to hopefully bring it back. The Book of Ruth, 
deals with a situation where a family was poor, and God had said, you can't, you, you can't go over your, your, your field twice. Uh, because if you do, then the poor people, you're, 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 the poor people don't have access to clean. Yeah. To, to, yeah, so the gleaning laws. So there were certain things left on the in the field, and poor people could go collect them. Now again, Chris, what great justice is here? Think about it. Wealthy people have abundance have an abundance of wealth. Say money. There's other money besides wealth, but let's just say money for now. Uh, choices, but a lack of time. Poor people, generally speaking, have an abundance of time and lack wealth and choices. So God's way was, you know what, poor person, you have time on your hands. You go collect what was left over by the, by the harvesters. It will feed you. And someone's going to say that's demeaning or whatever. No, because in the book of Ruth, what happened was Boaz saw how industrious Ruth was. She worked hard on behalf of her family. And he wound up marrying her. If you, if you had a, a field, you were a farmer, and you saw industrious people gleaning uh, you know, for their families, mm-hmm. you, you know what you'd say? You know what? I need, I need help around here. That's an industrious person. I'm going to hire that person. The same thing, Chris, could be happening with our petty criminals, with our petty thieves. Mm-hmm. You know what? You've stolen. Okay. Now you're going to work to pay it back. Hey, wait a minute! You're working really hard. The, the the relationship between us has been restored. You've I now have twice what I had before. You know what? Um, I think I would like to hire you, Chris. I mean, I'm I'm just getting excited thinking about it. It's a beautiful thing. God's law is beautiful. It's it's the law of the Lord is perfect. That's right. <laughs> Sa- yeah. Says Psalm David in Psalm 19. Yeah, converting the soul. Yeah, that's something we forget about too. Right. That idea of working and doing it God's way. Is, is a way of converting the soul, pointing out that you need, that your soul needs conversion. It, you, you need a savior. Right. Yeah, the law, the law cannot save, but we often for, miss the point that without the law, you can't be saved because you need to understand your sin. The law plays a huge part, even if just in, in, in our sal- in personal salvation, the law can't save you, but if you don't know the law, you don't know your sin. And, and that's one of the uses of the law. It shows you your sin, and, and it also restrains evil in society. And it's a beautiful thing when, when God's word is followed. And again, not every case will result in that, but certainly uh, many more than we have now. There's no opportunity for repentance, for restoration, for a better individual to mm-hmm. emerge from the prison system mm-hmm. because it's built on a rotten foundation mm-hmm. of statist control and statist rehabilitation. Now, the idea of... Um, Let's let's talk because you brought it up. Let's try to, to wrap up this idea of okay. Well, what happens when the criminal doesn't? Right. When the criminal doesn't, do when, doesn't repent, at least even in right. a societal sense. And, yeah. and you mentioned that uh, if if they continue to fail to make restitution, continue a life of crime, that there is biblically a place for for execution. Mm-hmm. Right. And I want to read from Deuteronomy chapter twenty one. This is the case of the rebellious son. And oh the, yeah, everybody and, likes to make fun of this. Oh, isn't God terrible? Right. They say, yeah. Oh, this is oh God's Moses. Gonna, yeah. Yeah, God's gonna uh, God tells people to execute their children for not taking out the trash or whatever, yeah, which right. is a complete misreading. The the text says if a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him will not listen to them. Then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of his city. So this is the charge against him. Not that he didn't take out the trash, 
Not that he bit his sibling, but this is the charge. This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. And again, with these case laws, it's, it's a concise account that you take all of Scripture into consideration. This man is a glutton, uh, a drunkard, right? He would have had committed crimes in society. He would have been a, a, a true burden to society, you know, a, uh, someone that's out there causing problems. And though he's been corrected multiple times, though he's been given opportunity to change, he doesn't. He does not repent. He is not restoring the problems that he has caused. He's not making restitution. He's not restoring godly order. He's continuing to be a problem to that. And then there is a case in these, if you want to call them extreme cases, where the criminal will not make restitution, will not conform to the law, right? Because we are to conform to the civil law. We are to conform. We're not to go and murder and, and rape and commit adultery. We have to conform to that. And if we don't, there's consequences. So here's a case biblically where if you have these criminals who are continuing to steal, you, you put them in prison. I mean, again, they shouldn't be there in the first place, but they're, they come out of prison, they steal again, they go right back in. They come out, they go right back in. The solution, I mean, first of all, the solution is to not have the prison system. If you had a biblical system, there would ultimately come that point where execution is a proper punishment. Sure, yeah. Um, people mock this all the time. Isn't this terrible? But let's ask a question. First of all, when they say he's a, a, a glutton and a drunkard, basically what's being said there is this young man here is out of control. Right, and he's not a toddler. He's a glutton no. and a drunkard. This, yep. is, this is a grown man. Is a, this is a grown man who will not be corrected by his mother and father. So, what's left? Um, the state. And so now the state gets involved. Now the states get involved and say, okay, um, we, we're going to have a trial here because they have to take him before the elders and they have to find out, first of all, we're not just taking, hey, mom and dad came by. They said, uh, yeah, this guy here, uh, you, you know, he, he, he forgot to turn off the, uh, uh, turn out the lights last night. And we, now we've got to pay for electricity, stone his lights out. That's, that's not what we're talking about here. They have to have a trial to see if the mother and father's um, testimony here is actually true, first of all. If it turns out to be true, he is executed in a stone pile. Now, oh, isn't that terrible? Huh? I don't, I don't want to hear today about how barbaric that is. All you got to do is look at barbaric punishments in history by pagan nations, skinning people alive, torturing them to death, this kind of stuff. So, so, so no talk today about how barbaric that is. If you want to talk barbarism, let's, let's talk Greece, Rome, the stuff they did. Uh, that would take a long time to talk about their punishments, uh, flaying people, skinning them alive, dragging them behind chariots, this kind of a thing. So, um, and, 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 you know, in those punishments, Chris, you don't have a monument to the crime. The stoning is a monument to the crime. People will ask, how did that happen? Right. And the answer is, well, you know what? This person who couldn't be controlled was finally executed. Now, let's, man, I want to, I, so much there I want to talk about. What what does the average juvenile offender do in his lifetime? I don't even know. Uh, juvenile defender uh, or offender, growing up, 16-year-old's already stolen, already raped somebody, right? Oh, he's going to juvie. We're going to fix him in juvie. Right. And then we're going to try him as an adult later on. How many people will he kill? How many people will he rope, rape? How much property will he steal by the time he's done? Right. 
But oh no, that's better. Right. That, that, that's, that's better. That's improving on, on God's law. I had a pastor one time make fun of that to me. Mm. He's like, oh, you, you really believe that we should stone somebody who, I think, I forget what it was, who, 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 who died, it might have been take out the trash or whatever. And I'm like, you're a pastor. And I, this, okay, th- this is the conversation we had, okay? This is the story. I said, um, so uh, do you think God loved his people or hated his people? And he said, well, you know, he obviously loved his people. I said, I mean, I shouldn't have had to go through this. I wasn't even a pastor at the time. He was a pastor. I was not. I was just, you know, Larry Lay person, all right? But anyway, so, so I said, well, then, um, do you think he gave them loving laws then? Or did he give them laws because he hated them? And the conversation just kind of drifted off from there because he didn't want to say that this was a loving law. He, right. just, he just mocked it. But what a loving law, both for God, for the parents, and for the neighbors, the ones who we now know will kill mm-hmm. and destroy by the time they're by the time they're done you know you know your basic juvie offender right now i i hope i'm not off the reservation too far here but what's our what's our hope for your basic juvenile delinquent offender who's already stolen and raped and let's say attempted murder what's our hope you know what our hope is our hope is it'll get ki- he'll get killed in a bar fight i mean that, that's that's kind of how we how we hope that that'll happen well, if we think that's justice, then why can't we embrace God's original justice here? Right. Yeah. You're exactly right. The, the, why can't we go back to biblical law? And I touched on it last time. We want, we want a clean, humane, sanitary thing. We're going to say, well, we're not going to do that. We're, we're not going to execute uh, these people. That, that's just unfathomable. Well, the question I think we want to ask is why not? Why, on what basis do you make those decisions? And what, what is justice? Right on what basis is it okay to uh, abort babies, but not execute an incorrigible offender, someone who will continue to steal and assault and rape and murder? On what basis is that unjust to execute that person? Chris, as you've pointed out, we all do believe in execution. We all do. Right. We either believe in executing the guilty, the capital offenders, or we believe in executing the the innocent. As you pointed out, we've executed sixty million innocents. So we've talked about theft and, and how that, yes. th- that, and that's a very important point, and I hadn't necessarily thought of it in that way, so thank you for bringing that up. The, the theft is the gateway crime into so many, right? And, and it makes perfect sense because it goes back to what has God designed us to do, to take dominion, to work. And so what is, what is crime ultimately? It's a failure to take dominion. Instead of me working uh, to take dominion and me you know, finding a, a spouse and marrying a wife uh, and me you know, helping others, Crime is the perversion of that. I'm not going to take dominion. I'm going to steal from you who've taken dominion. I'm going to steal from, you know, I'm going to steal, I'm going to rape someone and, and, and steal from that person, right? So it's not, it's not taking dominion. And theft, there's a reason that it's the gateway crime, and there's a reason that God has ordained that the punishment should be restitution. Let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor. Okay, now we've talked, we don't have to get into this too much. We've talked about murder, right? The, if someone is justly convicted of murder, they should be executed. I mean, most Christians would even agree with that, I think, because uh, the Bible makes that very clear, as it does also th- this issue of theft. But for some reason, we don't want to get into that. I'm not sure. So so the murderers should be executed, right? Um, the, the rapist, biblically, you could have a case for execution uh, from, from the victim. The victim, again, is the one uh, that would make that, that call. Uh, and so 
really, what do we need prisons for? If, we are, if, if the murderers are being executed, right, if, if the, the people who are committing these violent crimes and will not repent of them are being executed as well, what do we need prisons for? Tax offenders, right? Drug offenders? I mean, <laughs> now, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> so, I, I mean, let's talk about drugs first briefly. And, and there's so much here, and, and I, I knew this would, might go long, but we'll try to, we won't keep it too long here. Drugs, briefly, um, approx- this is one approximation. One in five prisoners are locked up for a drug offense. Now, a lot of times there's other crimes attached to these drugs, and, and that's the thing that we should be dealing with. But to make drug possession a crime and then lock people up for it, it's absurd. It's not solving the problem. And we might, at this point, we might have to do another episode on the war on drugs. But suffice it to say, I'll maybe have you do a brief comment here. I mean, when we create, when we make drugs illegal, I mean, this is the problem with prohibition. We actually create the black market for drugs. So not only have we created a welfare system where we encourage mothers not to, to marry the fathers of their children, we've created a black market where it's actually more profitable for these, you know, criminals who have been let out of juvie or let out of prison to get into that black market of drugs to try to make money uh, because they can maybe do that easier than uh, working hard because we've already taught them we're not going to require you to work. We're just going to put you in prison where you can learn some more skills and they'll let you back out again because we're not going to execute you no matter how much bad stuff you do. I mean, we're not even going to execute you if you murder someone. So, I mean, what does that create in the, the criminal's mind? Okay, well, how can I become a better criminal? My only goal is to not be put back in prison. And if I do, I'll probably get out and I'll come out that much wiser. Yeah, yeah, be a better criminal. Yeah, uh, we talk about a criminal underclass. Chris, how do we have a criminal underclass? If if the penitentiary and the correctional facilities are working, how can we possibly have a criminal underclass? Right. How can that possibly be? Now, um, a a couple things about that. if, If a criminal, you know, let's say we have a thief, and he refuses to, to pay back or work. What are our cho- what are our choices here? Jail. Well, he still he still hasn't paid anything back. Right. And now you're gonna, now you're going to feed him, and he's not working. So and you're, you're going against God's word. You're totally rewarding him for what he's done. Right. You're he, giving him a warm room, a, a, you know, a meal, three meals a day. Yeah. Yeah. Just one a day. I mean, you're feeding him. Right. And you're rewarding him for not yeah. working. Now, and somebody's going to say, well, no, it's not a reward because prison is, is a horrible place. And, to, you know, when you talk to people about this, I, I, I found, Chris, in my discussions, is that people, like, for them, it's like, well, the worse, the worse prison is, the better punishment. Wait a second. Whatever happened to the penitent and all this kind of stuff? People, are, oh, you know, that guy, he's going to have it really bad in prison. Everybody's like, okay, that's a good thing. Right. Wait a second. Wait, you have now given justice over to the criminals already? <laughs> what are you, whatever are you thinking? And you know what, in my experience, that is the thinking of, a, of an awful lot of folks out there. Right. And to your, to your question, which was, remind me of your question again, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, well, no, I was just talking about how, I'm not actually sure what my question was. Oh, okay. At that point. All right. It was a good question. <laughs> I, want to, I want to respond to it. it, it oh, we're talking, about, we're talking about drugs. A oh, yes. Bit. Yeah. 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 Thank yeah. you. Drugs. Yes, drugs. Okay. The Bible's way, once again, God's way is you have to show harm in order for a crime to, to have been committed. Now, we have to make that distinction between sins and crimes. Mm-hmm. All crimes are sins, but not all sins are crimes. 
You know, again, I use an illustration of my granddaughter who says to her mother, I brushed my teeth, and she didn't. This is not a crime that the state has to get involved in. It's a sin. Mm -hmm. It's not a crime. Smoking dope, um, getting drunk, Mm -hmm. maybe as well, getting drunk is definitely a sin. Mm -hmm. But the Bible's way is you have to show harm in order for a crime to have been committed. Now, we have gotten so far away. Thought crimes are now uh, are now talked about in our society, in our American society. Thought crimes, hate crimes. What were you thinking when you did this? Right. Instead of the harm that was actually done, which is the Bible's way, throughout throughout Moses' law and throughout throughout all of Scripture, harm has to be shown. Now, someone's smoking weed uh, up up in <laughs> up in their up in the attic or whatever, we have to be able to show harm. Now, if that person goes and commits a crime while they're on weed or whatever, that can become a factor. Mm-hmm. But we have to be able to show harm. Well, and a drug the, shouldn't be a factor in that. I think if, if, you, if you commit a crime, if you murder someone, it doesn't matter if you were on drugs. Right. It doesn't matter right. if you weren't on drugs. And that's where we have... Got, Thanks for that clarification. It doesn't You're matter. Right. In the hate yeah. crime, it doesn't matter if you murdered that someone because... Uh, you perceive them to be of a different tribe, and it was there's no biblically that's not an issue. And we've created this system where we have hate crimes, and and you're being arrested for possession right. of substances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You 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 have something when you commit this crime. What's that have to do with anything? And and what's the opposite of a hate crime? A love crime? I mean, what are we doing here? Right. Yeah, we have we have abandoned we have we have abandoned God's the the fountain of living water, and we've hewed out cisterns that can't give water. That's what we have. That's what the prison system is. So we got five or ten minutes left, Joel. The the prison system is built on the premise that really the state is responsible for the actions of individuals, right? And so if they have done wrong, right, well, we need to create a better environment for them. We're going to correct it. We're actually going to make the victim pay for it. I mean, it's it's, it's this weird— Victim pays. It's, it's rest, it's victim rest, already paid, and now it's going to pay more. So they do, we, do, we do have restitution in our current prison system, but the victim is the one making restitution to the criminal for not creating a society in which this criminal would not have committed those crimes. And we have, we have the whole foundation is rotten through and through. It's humanistic. It's anti-biblical. It, it rejects God's word, and inevitably it doesn't work then. As you mentioned, we don't reject the prison system because they don't work. it doesn't work. It doesn't work, like you said, but the reason it doesn't work and the reason, reason we reject it is because it goes against Christ's plan for the nations, which is that his law word would be followed. It's a beautiful thing. I hope people have seen that a little bit today, that if God's law is followed, you actually prevent um, so many of these criminals from becoming career criminals. I mean, even that, how can you become a career criminal, right? Only if you create a system where, where, you, can, where you can be, again, quasi-rewarded for your crime, right, and then go back out and do it again, right, knowing that what's the worst that's going to happen to me? I'm going to go back to prison, and then I'm going to get out again. Hopefully, maybe I'll, I'll do better next time. We've created the system for career criminals. And so Lancaster County, uh, again, used eminent domain. We talked about that last week. We're not going to get into that again. It was a bit of a formality. But the point is, the reason was, we need this prison system. We have to have this prison system. And, and we're saying, no, you don't need this prison system. Like, we, we need, and I know, I get it's a radical, which that word means, radical means going to the root mm-hmm. of something. Right. We need to get, what, what is the root problem in Lancaster County, in Pennsylvania, in the nation? It's that we've abandoned God's word. Right? And we're always going to have crime. We're always going to have these issues to deal with. But dealing with them from a humanistic standpoint makes things so much worse. 
And I hope people maybe, I hope we've done a decent job of trying to show people that, that when you abandon God's plan, you create a system that is just, leads to more and more and more crime to the point that we now have, we are the largest slave state in the world, if you will. The most, I mean, we talk so much about freedom and all this. And, and again, I think some people in prison uh, should be executed, right? But there's also a lot of people in prison for tax evasion. Like, I mean, we've created a system where if you don't pay the government what they're demanding of you, you're going to jail, you're going to prison, like, and we are the, the land of the free. Uh, and we, we have the largest slave state, the largest, you know, population of incarcerated individuals, and this is justice. And so, the, you know, the Democrats are going to say, well, yeah, we need, we need criminal justice reform, and we need to let all these, these criminals out. And uh, that's not the solution either. Right, right. I mean, for some of them, maybe, yeah. that didn't. But the solution for, and of course, it's, it's hard to go retroactive here now, but, it, but we need to start to make a reform and say, okay, we need to actually go back to biblical law, that if you murder someone or if you commit these crimes— all right, that execution is the punishment. If you steal, you need to make restitution, and we will deal with. We do have to deal with crime, but but the way we're doing it now is not solving the problem. It's making things worse. No doubt. I I, I, I want to just a couple things here. First of all, God's way, okay, and facing the person that you've offended um, when you've stolen. I want to talk about that for a minute. Right. I know of a I know of a young man. I have very intimate knowledge of this, and I know what happened. This young man uh, grew up in a two-parent home, a loving home, and it was found out that he was shoplifting. When that happened, his father didn't, you know, didn't go to the state or whatever. I, you know what he did? He made him face every single person that he had shoplifted from. He brought them back, and he had to face them all. Guess who got, guess who got cured of shoplifting? He, he, he didn't do that anymore. It was, it was just too much. Again, God's way. You pay back the person that you stole from. And I don't even know if he even paid back double. I think, as, as far as I know, his father, you know what, I, 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 do, yeah, I do remember this now. His father told him he had to pay back double. Mm-hmm. The, the store owners all said, no, you don't have to pay back double, which, which is, is their right to do. Just pay back what you stole. Mm-hmm. So, so not even paying back double, just paying back what he had stolen Cured him yeah. of shoplifting. He never shoplifted again, this yeah. young man. Uh, also, I want to talk about a, a man named Eric Garner. Those who um, have followed all the riots of 2020 may remember that name, Eric Garner. He was a uh, man, a black man, who was died in police custody, and it caused a ruckus. Now, um, he didn't want to be arrested. I can't really speak to that. And he kept on saying to the police officers, don't touch me. Well, he died in police police custody. Now, the whole thing didn't have to happen. You know what his crime was? He was creating and, and, and selling unapproved cigarettes. How in the world did the state get involved in the approved cigarette business? Right. But that's what he was doing. Now, we're not even talking about like um, George Floyd who was handing out, I guess, bogus 20s or whatever, paying with a, whatever. There's a lot of crimes and stuff that the state has created for everybody, like drugs, which has just made things worse. That's what the state does. Once the state gets involved, in, 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 once once we throw out God, his his list of crimes, and he's given us his list of crimes in the Bible that are punishable and how they're to be punished. Once we've thrown out, well, I guess we've, uh, who knows what a crime is, so let's introduce the state. They'll tell us what a crime is and what a mess. Yeah. 
that's that's the understatement of the day. What a mess! Because I mean, we've talked about Amos Miller and the the, the threats of, of jail for not paying the government for uh, not following their rules, even though there's no victims. It, it's insanity. And and again, we we address this, and 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 then our our, our leaders uh, maybe hear it, maybe not, ignore it, and say, well, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. We're gonna we're gonna keep the status quo because this is the only way we know and there is a better way and it's Christ's way and it's not just for your personal individual life Christ has a plan for the nations and prison there's the problem with prisons is that they are not part of Christ's plan and anything that goes against his word is going to lead to to chaos and confusion and I believe like I said our evil here is chastising us our apostasy is reproving us because we've we've abandoned the fountain of living water and now we're dealing with the mess like we have the largest prison population in the world. Why? All right, we had these great blessings, and I think that's part of it. Greater, you know, you had greater, we had greater knowledge as a people, biblical knowledge, and we've abandoned that. And now, I mean, we're, I mean, this is, a, we're the, that's, a, that's, that's, it's a laughing stock that we have, we have more people in prison than China and Brazil and India and, and Russia, and we have the highest proportion, and we're supposed to be the land of the free, uh, home of the brave, right? Justice, right? I mean, th- that's supposed to be what we are. And uh, it's a joke because we have our own evil is chastising us here. And the problem is, Joel, people won't repent. They won't turn from it. I mean, God's way is so beautiful. His law is so beautiful. We talked about it today. And also, God is so merciful. Just repent. Just turn. Say, you know what? We, we're wrong. Th- this is not solving the problem. Just look at the numbers. I mean, even before, I mean, just look at these numbers and see how bad and look at the state of our nation and then look to God's word and say there's a better way and repent and turn. But people won't do that. So I don't know. I'll give you the final word here. I mean, people are just continuing to, to dig us deeper and deeper into this pit of man-made laws, right? The statutes of Ahab and Omri were following those instead of King Jesus's. You know, what's the solution here at the hard Joel? Why, why is it so hard to get people to see that Christ's plan is better? I remember reading a... Um... Uh, comment from a theologian at some point and he made the case he, he called it the inner lawyer and he said we have this inner lawyer that justifies herself it goes back to adam and eve in the garden and, and, and who gets to be god what a what a horrible thing it is when i have to submit myself to the real god think about the real god that, that created the heavens and the earth and yet here i am little little joel uh, i'm going to be dead soon i <laughs> 50 years after I'm dead, hardly anyone even remember that I was even alive. And yet here I am telling God and instructing God on what is the way it's, it's supposed to be. And for us to repent and say, you know what, I'm wrong, as, as, as you said, what that involves is I don't get to make the rules anymore. I recognize the true God, but I have to give up my own godhood status that I'm just hanging on to with both hands. And so this inner lawyer, when I do something wrong, somehow constantly justifies my own little self and when i justify myself i'm telling god that he's wrong which is a great offense you mentioned god's mercy how merciful has he been to us for how we've had our fists in his face as a nation for all these years chris and he still hasn't destroyed us which is what we flat out deserve by this point you know to to say that we're not going to teach his word anymore in our places of education of all places is just absolutely insulting and he has been merciful to us the very fact that we're allowed to even 
keep our flag flying somewhat is such a testimony to his mercy for how we have sinned. Yes, that's the word. Chris, we're not talking about mistakes here. We're, we're, not, we're not talking about, well, we try to do the right thing and failed. No, we're talking about trying to do the wrong thing and succeeding, and God still has had mercy on us. Yeah. Yeah, and the fear of me is not in you, declares the Lord God of hosts, and, and that's our problem. So I hope we... We have addressed, I mean, this topic I think is, was, I knew it would be a lot, it's even more than I think, that the, the prison system, uh, and again, if, if you've taken nothing from uh, this episode, take this, that the prison system is fundamentally flawed because it is based on a humanistic understanding of justice, that the state is the one that can, that can correct these criminals rather than the family and secondarily the church. And the prison system has created uh, this problem where we have so many people locked up. Uh, many of them should have never been there in the first place, and uh, we're not any safer for it. We're creating a, a criminal class, career criminals in the prison system. So I think we might have to swing back around to this topic maybe later on. If you have any questions or comments about this, send us send an email to the Lancaster Patriot, info at the LancasterPatriot.com. If there's a topic you want us to address or a question about one of the topics we have addressed, send us an email, leave us a comment uh, on this video if you're watching on YouTube or, or put it on our Facebook page. Uh, for more information about the Lancaster Patriot, go to the LancasterPatriot.com. Joel, where can people find more information about uh, the church or, or Mars? Yeah, um, I can go, our, our church is irbc.church, irbc, and it's Independence Reform Bible Church.com, irbc.com. And our website, a couple of webs, websites, a future of Christendom.org. Um, you can find us there as well. You can also find us at thinkandreform.com. Okay. Well, unfortunately, uh, despite our protestations, it seems like this, this prison project is going on and, and millions and millions of dollars will be poured into it here in Lancaster County. And I don't think either one of us will feel any safer. And I don't think we will uh, feel that our, our society is actually improving because we're, we're continuing to prop up uh, the humanistic worldview. Are we just making up more room for people who won't get the death jab? Is that what we're doing here? I, I hope not. Yeah, I mean, once you created, I mean, creating a prison system, it becomes very convenient then uh, when when the society wants to tyrannize the people. Because again, and I know I'm going over time here now, but w- biblically, you ha- if you commit the crime, uh, the victim has to make that accusation against you, right? It, it actually leads to a lot less false accusations because if you if you falsely accuse somebody and there's evidence that you you knew they didn't do it and you were trying to to get them, you know, for something else, you would have to face that punishment. We've created a system where uh, the victim disappears and the state comes in and, and says, well, we're going to punish you for uh, going against us. And that's a recipe for tyranny and uh, you know, crimes against the state, against the regime. And uh, we have plenty of prisons to house uh, people that, that will commit crimes against the state. So I better stop there. Anything else you want to add? No, I'm good. Not, not until next time. Yeah. All right. Again, go to LancasterPatriot.com for more information. My name is Chris Hume. Again, for Joel Saint with the Independence Reform Bible Church, thank you for listening. God bless and Godspeed. speak.